When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to the All City Show, part of the All NBA Podcast. Clearly, I am not Adam Mara as your normal host. I'm Gerald Borgay, over with the PHNX Sports Show, uh, an affiliate of All City. And I can think of no better way to ring in the new year than to introduce my esteemed colleague, Tim Legler, someone I have admired from afar for the way that he breaks down the game. Tim, Happy New Year to you. How are you doing today? Gerald, Happy New Year, man. Good to be on with you. Looking forward to this. Um, we, I'm doing great, man. I, I had a pr- relatively tame New Year's Eve, so I'm feeling fresh. And uh, fortunately, had a couple of very interesting games, I think, that uh, where I think we're going to kick this thing off with. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great way to ring in the new year with some of the basketball games we got to enjoy last night. Just a reminder before we get started, the All City Show is presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code ALLNBA because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Well, Tim, let's jump right in with our weekend warriors brought to you by DraftKings, where we highlight teams or players who stood out to us over the weekend. Tim, who is your weekend warrior? I'm going to go, and this team only played one game on Saturday, so they didn't play Friday or Sunday, so it's just one game, one win, but so impressive. I'm going with the Indiana Pacers slash Tyrese Halliburton, right? I, I got I can't really differentiate between the two. Uh, put up 140 on the Knicks. Um, and the Knicks are a team that, you know, when I watch the league and I look around the league pass every night and I'm flipping around, some teams stand out as competing a little bit harder. I'm more physical on that end of the floor, and that's the Knicks. And so for the Pacers to just go for 140, uh, no problem, 40 assists as a team in that game. It's a rare, 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 rare milestone when you see a team get 40 assists in a game. And obviously Tyrese Halliburton right now, what he's doing, he had 22 points, 23 assists in that game, two turnovers. He's got a two-game stretch going with 45 assists and two turnovers. Um, and they really did whatever they wanted to against a pretty physical Knicks team for the most part. Um, so impressive. And it, the Pacers had a little bit of a lull, Gerald, after that in-season tournament uh, run that they made had a little bit of a lull after that, and they have found their swag again. They're, they're playing at that breakneck pace, really hard to defend, and Halliburton is the guy leading the way. And I just thought that was a very entertaining game and impressive to operate that way offensively against the Knicks. 
The Pacers are such an interesting team to me because, like, obviously we know they're leading the league in offensive rating, number one, putting up historic offensive efficiency on that end, number 28 in defense. So it really is uh, a tale of one side of the basketball for them. But, you know, they're also number one in our league pass hearts for a lot of people, I feel like. Um, and, And Tyrese, I know out here in Phoenix, like, the Suns had an opportunity to draft him back when they took Jalen Smith at number 10. And a lot of Suns fans out here are still kicking themselves that the front office did not take Halliburton. Cause right now, I mean, he looks like a more modernized version of Steve Nash, honestly, with the way that he's able to orchestrate fast paced offense, maybe a little bit more of a scoring mentality than Nash had, but uh, he's so much fun to watch. And that whole team is just a blast to enjoy. I'm glad that they made it as far as they did in the in-season tournament. So more people could be familiar with them. Um, my weekend warrior, I'm going to go with the Oklahoma city thunder. Uh, they're a team that they've won four straight and they've beaten some really quality teams along the way. They beat the Timberwolves, uh, the Knicks, as you mentioned, a physical defensive team, the nuggets with everyone, but Aaron Gordon healthy. Uh, and then the nets, all three of those were by double figures and the other one was by nine points. So they're kind of, uh, steamrolling their way through the league. Only two of those were over the weekend, obviously, but uh, Tim, are we overlooking the Thunder a little bit? We're going to get into overlooked teams later in the show, but it feels like the Thunder are one of those young, fun teams, but are we at the point where we need to start taking them seriously as a legitimate contender in the West? I'm glad you chose them, Gerald, because I think we definitely, um, we are definitely at that point. And, and it's really because for me of this stretch right now that we've seen, because they're not just playing good teams and beating them. They're, they're, they're dismantling them and the balance that they have. Cause this isn't like they're, they're riding a heater at a Shea Gilgis Alexander right now, you know, and, and who can be unguardable at times. That's not what this is. They're, they're, they're getting great balance. Holmgren is playing. He's been great all year, but he's, he's, he's now reached a whole nother level of production offensively. Jalen Williams has been spectacular throughout this. Lou Dort gives them, you know, both ends of the floor supplemental offense. So I've just been so impressed with, with the way they're getting this across the board um, and led by a great offensive player uh, who has the ball most of the time. But they pass it. They defend. They play with great injury. I think they're very well coached. They, they're prepared. And I think now this recent run has elevated them now into the conversation in the Western Conference. Like I'm at the point now where it's no longer you're thinking this is a team that got off to a really good start. And let's see what happens. No, I think they're going to be in this thing. They're going to be in the top four in the West when this is all said and done. They're going to host a first-round playoff series against somebody, and that is a very difficult environment for anyone to go in. Now, look, Gerald, the West is crazy, which means, you know, you could end up like the Kings last year. You know, they get home court, and your reward for doing that is the Golden State Warriors, right, getting everybody back, getting Wiggins back. And, like, you know, and you have to play a, a, four, a you know four-time defending champion in the first round that's the way it worked out and that could happen with some of these teams at the top this year you might get a phoenix team you might get the clippers like you don't know who you're going to get in that first round and are they healthy and all of that firepower so who knows what that means i just think that they're going to host the series and they are going to probably be favored because of how difficult it is to win there so yeah i'm glad you touched on that man because even though boston is the only team in the league with a longer winning streak right now they won six straight. No one in this league is playing as well as the Oklahoma City Thunder are right now. And that's what's been so impressive about this run. And uh, they're there. We talked about Pacers being a team that, you know, you must see. 
if they're on, you want to watch them just for sheer entertainment value. Kind of feel that way about the Thunder, uh, except a combination of entertainment and am I watching this young team kind of grow into a contender right before my eyes? That's always a fun thing to do. So excellent choice for your weekend warrior. Yeah, they're an interesting team to me as well because a lot of people are going to point to the lack of experience for them when it comes to playoff time. Obviously, a lot of their core is younger and wasn't around some of them for that last playoff appearance they made back when Chris Paul was still on the team. But, you know, they said a lot of similar things about a Suns team here in Phoenix that went to the finals just two years ago. A lot of their guys had never played a single playoff minute to that point. And obviously that Suns team had a little bit of an easier path with the injuries. I think the West this year is going to be a bloodbath, like you mentioned. Like there's no guarantee having home court advantage gets you a favorable first round matchup at all. Um, but just the way that Shea is playing this year, he's replicating a lot of what he did last year. But I think the Thunder have one of the best, you know, 25 and under trios in the league between Shea, Jalen Williams, and Chet. And Chet is not playing like your typical rookie. Obviously, he kind of redshirted last year, whatever you want to call it. But he has been phenomenal. I feel like he's kind of running away with his rookie of the year race. And just the fluidity of his game, the ball handling, the versatility of things he can do on both ends is not typical of a rookie that you would normally see. So the Thunder are interesting to me. I mean, they're one of three teams joining the Celtics and Sixers to be top six in both offensive and defensive rating. Like they're a legitimately great team on both ends. So they're going to be fun. And one other point I want to make on them, just to, to how impressive mm -hmm. they have been, particularly, you know, you mentioned, you know, their top three guys, because that's what we talk about all the time, right? The, the mm -hmm. top tier talent on your roster, is it enough? So Jalen Williams and Chet Holmgren, both of those guys, I think initially were viewed as more of an impact right away defensively because Chet Holmgren has tremendous instincts, right? He covers a lot of ground. He's a great shot blocker. He, when you watch him defensively, he's mature beyond his years and what he sees and the way his head is on a swivel, his communication ability. He's always early on his rotations, like little stuff like that. You know, young players, they don't look like that. And Jalen Williams is a guy that he's got the frame, the long arms. He's physical. He likes to get into guys. So you thought, okay, they're going to you know, take some time to ripen as offensive players, and Shea's going to have to carry them most nights, but, but they're going to impact it defensively. Well, you look up, and, and, and these guys are averaging 35 combined. But more importantly, both players are at a 50-40-80 clip, both of them. I mean, those are, those are very difficult shooting numbers to attain, even for like a top-shelf two-guard, a 50-40-80 year – very hard to come by because 50% from the field is hard when you take a lot of perimeter shots. It's just a tough, tough number to get to. 40 also from the three, difficult. 80 from the line, I guess, is a little bit more attainable. But for both of those guys to be doing it that efficiently um, and, and giving you 35 a night between the two, and like I think they're both significantly better offensive players than they were the first month of the season. So they've grown even you know as the season is going. They're so far from what, where their ceiling is. It's really exciting times for Oklahoma City, but it, it's just it's spread out throughout. Isaiah Joe is a guy I love who comes in and shoots the heck out of the ball. He's a perfect role player for them. Um, spotting up Kendrick Williams gives a great minutes, Casey Wallace. So they're interesting. And, and we, we talked last week, uh, Adam and I were talking about this team. And are they starting to now think internally, man, you know what? We're closer than we thought, like now. And do you parlay some of those picks that they have stockpiled into going after another top talent. Laurie Markkinen was the name that come up, came up. So it's a really interesting discussion. And the way they're playing right now, there's also 
part of you says, well, don't mess with this at all. Like, let's just <laughs> right. let's just ride this and see what it looks like this year in the postseason mm-hmm. and then make a determination maybe in, in the summer what you need. So I think there's two two lines of thinking with this team. And I think you can't go wrong either way, really. But I just know that they're they're quickly grasping everyone's attention in this league as a legitimate threat. And it's been fun. Absolutely. And they're going to be a team to keep an eye on at the trade deadline. Isaiah Joe is a plus minus God. So I'm glad that you brought him up because those numbers uh, never cease to amaze me. Uh, But we're going to take our first break. After the break, we're going to talk about Suns magic and the Suns possibly starting to trend in the right direction. Uh, But first, Emma, go ahead and take it away. So I'm not Adam either. But all I want for the holidays this year is some NBA action. This week, new customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets, just for betting five bucks and instant dub just for you. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ALLNBA. New customers can get 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on basketball. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code ALLNBA. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In Kansas, 21 plus age varies in jurisdiction. Void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after insurance. See dkng.com slash basketball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Special shout out to Emma for saving my voice. I am currently going through it with an illness, so she saved me through doing that whole ad read. Appreciate you, Emma. Uh, Let's talk about Suns Magic, Tim, because I know you had said you were looking forward to talking about some of these games from last night. Uh, Suns Magic was a great one between a Suns team that is starting to trend in the right direction and a Magic team that is one of the best defenses in the NBA, one of the surprises in the East. Uh, Tim, I'll kick it over to you. What stood out to you about this game between these two teams? Well, okay. So first of all, you know, first thing I noticed was the way that the Suns' energy was at the start of the game. And I'm not just talking about their starting lineup, it's, it's, you know, the guys on the bench, the environment in the building, there was an electricity about it. And, and it, it kind of made me think, cause I, I actually was pretty critical of Kevin Durant recently like when they, when they mm-hmm. Dallas and Luca lit them up for 50 and I thought Kevin Durant's body language in that game was horrific. And I thought his, you know, and I, I don't ever say that about Kevin Durant. The guy loves to play and mm-hmm. he'll show up and play against anybody. He'll take on five guys by himself as he practically did in Brooklyn a few years ago when he played the Bucks in the playoffs. We know that the guy loves to play and he competes. And, and I just, you know, I've always liked his demeanor. He's, he's not a guy that's incessantly whining at officials. He doesn't yap his mouth a lot at other people. He just goes out and plays. That particular night, he didn't look he didn't look like he believed that they had a chance. And, and then there was some discussion. Well, he's, he's upset with – he doesn't think the supporting cast is good enough. And I, I'm going, man, I disagree. I think the supporting cast and some of the pieces they've added, I think it's impressive to get a guy like Grayson Allen and get Nurkic and – um, get Eric Gordon. I mean, these are guys that fit in really well with what you do. Josh Kogi is a guy that I like a lot. So I didn't agree with it, and I didn't really didn't like the way he played that night and how negative he was and how disengaged he was at times. 
So now fast forward to last night, and and now Bradley Beal is back. So it it you know, can I, I have a two year old, and we just you know celebrated Christmas. We so got a bunch of toys, and the analogy I'll use is you know some of those toys come out of the box, and they already have a battery in them, you know, but it's kind of like run down a little bit. So you, you know he's got these little wooden trains, and it starts to go, and it's kind of going and puttering along. And then you go, okay, you know what? Let me go put a new battery in that thing. You put a new battery in it, and that little that train is flying around a track. That's what it looked like that Bradley Beal provided for them last night. This was, it just looked like, okay, this is what it's supposed to look like now. We got all three guys. So they come out, and they hit Orlando with some haymakers, some runs, where those guys got cooking, the role players are playing well, and they get up 15 at one point in the first half, and you think they're, they're going to they're gonna cruise. Give the Magic a lot of credit. First of all, this is, a, this is a good basketball team, and I made some jokes about them earlier in the year, like let's see you know, when the bottom falls out on this hot start and everything else. No, they're better than that, and, and I'm going to be the first to admit it. They're, they are better than that. Bancaro is a future star. Franz Wagner is, is a really, really good player, and they, they've got great chemistry on that team, and they play really hard. So they didn't go away, and they actually came all the way back, took the lead in the fourth quarter before mm-hmm. – the Suns sort of settled matters. And the way that they settled the game was the reason that when they put these three guys together, I said, this is going to be very difficult for anybody to stop. It's because of the mid-range play of their top three players, right? So mid-range, those off-the-dribble creative get to 15 to 18 feet, pull up, shoot contested jumpers. They have three of the best mid-range players in the league currently. And I think in Kevin Durant, um, and, and Devin Booker, I think two of the best mid-range players of their generation, period. And you add Bradley Beal, who's a great mid-range. And that's where they got separation when they needed it, going to the mid-range pull-up game. Because it's the one area of the floor where they can't get double teamed. Um, it's very difficult to time your jump so you can contest that. When a guy knows when he's going to elevate and you don't, and, and you get a guy backpelling a little bit because you're going off a live dribble, stop on a dime, elevate, shoot the basketball – it's really tough to get a real honest timed contest on that. And these are three great shooting strokes. So they're going to make a high percentage of those shots. And that is exactly what happened when they needed to have it in the middle of the fourth quarter. And that's kind of remind people, I think everybody reminds them of what this can be when this gets humming with 15, 20, 25 games under their belt together. You saw a little sample of it last night in the fourth quarter, and they were able to hold off a really tough, hard-nosed, competitive Orlando Magic team. Yeah, you touched on a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Like, obviously, it's only a three-game win streak, and you could make the case, like, okay, the Houston Rockets, they're around 500. That was the first win. Second win was the Charlotte Hornets. Okay, this was a legitimate playoff team, a very good team, and the third-ranked defense in the NBA, and the Suns were able to kind of build on the momentum that they had been building. And I'm glad you mentioned kind of the joy aspect of it. It is something that Bradley Beal touched on in his post-game comments about, you know, the first couple of games coming back, I was so focused on the pressure of, you know, returning from injury finally because I've been out for most of the year and showing people what this team can do. And I kind of lost the joy that I've had since I was a child playing this game. And you could see it on the Suns. Like, to your point, Kevin Durant's body language had been bad for those couple of weeks where they were really struggling. Um and I think it's been much better. Like there have been some plays where he didn't jog back on defense, flash forward to the other night. He's playing the passing lanes, denying near half court. And it's just little things like that where it's like, okay, you know, 
as much as I think the the idea that he was frustrated with his supporting cast has been overblown, when you're losing, the body language can get bad really quick. And I think one thing we underrated with this whole process is just kind of the mental and emotional blow of having this guy come back and in his second game back, he lands on somebody's ankle and he's out for another two weeks. Um, I'll use another Christmas analogy. About 10 years ago, I wanted nothing more for Christmas than a Nintendo Wii. I wanted the new Nintendo video game system. My parents were going to get it for me. And what they did was they printed out a picture of a Nintendo Wii and gave it to me and said, we couldn't get one. They were all sold out. But here is your, we're going to get you one as soon as we can. I feel like that's what Bradley Beal has been for this team. Like (laughs) you can see what it's supposed to look like, but it hasn't gotten there yet. Thankfully, my parents were just playing the cruelest prank and they actually gave me the Nintendo Wii five minutes later. But like with this team, they haven't gotten that. So they've had to look at this thing and not be able to put it together. And I think now that it's finally whole, like Bradley Beal doesn't fix all of the issues we've seen during the win streak. But just having him back allows them to finally build continuity. Uh, the other game the other night was the first time they've had their top six guys available with Grayson and Eric and Nurkic as well. Um, so I think the offense clicking as quickly as it has is not surprising. I think it's the defensive end, obviously, where they need more reps with their full rotation to build that continuity. Um, but I, I, I am curious what you think of the Suns bench because – it's kind of had to be all over the place with guys in and out of the lineup. Uh, and right now they've had Yudoka Azubuki, a two-way guy, filling in as their backup center. They've had Saban Lee playing some minutes with Josh Akogi out. Uh, I'm just curious, what do you make of the Suns supporting casts, especially when, with regards to that bench? Yeah, well, first I want to say that was a pretty cool prank your parents played on you. But I don't think it's as mean <laughs> one, one year my two older kids, just to really mess with them, I wrapped up some – household items from around the house like my son was like 40 opened up opened it up and it was a box of band-aids and like he thought that like that was a legitimate gift you know again i think i gave my daughter a pack of rice packet of like instant rice they're opening it up the looks on their faces it was pretty classic that was pretty mean um so your parents got you pretty good uh so look the the, all right they're an interesting team because like take for instance last night just look at the box score and you go, wow, like there's guys that didn't even play that were playing significant minutes like last week that were, you know, like Bates Diop and Goodwin. These guys were playing and uh, Watanabe was he was he was in the rotation playing a ton of minutes start of the year. And now they're just kind of relegated to cheerleader mode last night. Look, it's it's and part of the problem is for those guys is. When you have Beal and Booker and Durant, you have three of those guys. Obviously, Frank Vogel is going to stagger their minutes in a way that they actually become your bench. Like those players, Durant, Booker, and and Beal, you know, they are also your backup at another position um, because you're going to stagger those guys throughout the game. Um, it's not like you got a point, a two, and a center, or a point, a wing, and a center, right? And and now you you know those guys have specific backups because they do certain things on the court. Well, all three of these guys do pretty much everything offensively. They're just three elite level wings. Um, None of them are real point guards, but I thought they did a pretty good job. Beal, Booker last night did a pretty good job handling the ball like point guards. The ball got hopping pretty well. Um, Better. It was less isolation play than I've seen out 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 of Phoenix at times this year. I thought they moved it pretty well and made good, quick, decisive decisions with it. The bench is a work in progress, I think, going forward of what that would look like, for instance, 
you know, playoff series. And we're, we're, you know, we're a few months away from having to figure that out. And who knows what they do at the trading deadline or anything else and, and who they might try to get later on. If there's a veteran they want to add that they can sign to bring in for the playoffs. It's, it remains to be seen. But last night, it was pretty much just like two guys really playing the majority of those minutes. And Eric Gordon, he played 30 minutes, took three shots, which is, is shocking to me. I mean, he, he checks in the game. I feel like he's already taken five shots. And he, he took three in 30 minutes. And he didn't look comfortable, really, uh, with how spread out those shots were. So they got to make sure he stays incorporated. He's going to be very valuable for them. But to answer your question, yeah, it's, it's, it's thin. We knew the bench was going to be thin. But – I think it's still very much to be determined what ultimately that looks like and who grabs those minutes going forward. And for now, I don't think it's going to be a massive problem because of that starting five. And one last point I want to make. If, if you didn't watch the game last night and you just pulled up the box score and you saw Grayson Allen's line, 10 points, four boards, you know, uh, 10 points, two rebounds, four assists, a couple of steals, you think, okay, whatever, you know, just a decent night, average night for a guy like Grayson Allen. If you watch the game and it watched every play the way I did, I was so impressed with Grayson Allen's all-around game last night. He fights over picks. He he's he's physical. He takes on a challenge. He's tough. He's competitive. He drives the ball to the basket. Like he had some plays that didn't show up where he made a weak side slash, caught the ball in the lane, didn't have an opportunity, and then made the next pass. And maybe that led to a, another pass for a corner three, but none of it happens without his recognition of when to cut, what to do with it once he caught the ball, not for something at the rim. He had some driving shots. He had some he had some standstill threes. I just thought, man, this guy really given them something because of his all-around game, and he's never really been recognized for that at the NBA level. I was very impressed with Grayson Allen last night, and I think he really fits in well, and Nurkic as well. Both of those guys fit in well because you don't have to call anything for them. And they're still going to be highly productive because they're going to play hard, take advantage of their opportunities, and they're going to be smart about what they're doing offensively. So I just wanted to point that out about really both of those guys, but primarily Grayson Allen. I thought he played a great game last night, despite his line maybe not being overwhelming. Yeah, with, with Grayson, it's easy to get caught up in just the fact that he's you know a top 10 three-point shooter in terms of efficiency. But to your point, he's been really good this season, especially with Beal and Booker being out for stretches of adding the ball handling, the playmaking, the driving, especially like his ability to attack closeouts because teams are going to close out so hard on a top 10 three-point shooter is something that really makes a difference. There was a play in the first half where Beal drove, attracted a second help defender, kicked it out to KD. KD attacked the closeout, kicked it to Book. Book did the same thing and it wound up in Grayson Allen's hands and he wound up with a layup. Like that's the kind of impact that he's able to make um, when he's sharing the court with those three, especially, uh, you know, he's kind of been slotted in as that fifth starter for the time being. Uh, and I think in 35 minutes, very small sample size, they're a plus 17 together and they've shot the ball really well at like a 60% clip. So he's been pretty good filling out that spot so far. I think to your point, they still need to figure things out with Eric Gordon a little bit. You know, it was only a couple of games ago that he got two shots and made those comments about, you know, we need to share the ball. And he was kind of right in that regard. The offense was stuck in the mud. But then he goes from, you know, a franchise record, 14 made threes over a two-game span to last night only taking three shots. So they've still got some things to figure out there. But I do think, like, we knew the bench would be thin. And come playoff time, you're only going to be playing eight, maybe nine guys tops. 
they already have their top six locked in. I think now it's a matter of figuring out who gets those last couple spots. And, and Frank Vogel, he said he's going to do his due diligence, getting different guys minutes, experimenting with lineups. So I think we're just kind of seeing that process play out. But I did want to ask you about the Magic because they're a team that's impressed yeah. me a lot. Young, younger team, defensive team, very long and lengthy team. Uh, what what have been your thoughts on the Magic, one of the bigger surprises in the East so far? They're an interesting team because they, they've got a number of guards on their roster, none of whom – I don't believe are a natural point guard. Like I don't think I don't think Suggs is a natural point guard. I don't think Black is. I don't think Cole Anthony is. Gary Harris. None of these guys are natural point guards. They're, they're sort of like combo guards. And I think more most of those guys are more comfortable when they can get some shots and try to score. So despite that, uh, they have these two players in Wagner and Bancaro who can win matchups. And you saw Wagner go to work. You know, in the, in the second half of this game, he went to work. Any chance he got a switch, he got a chance to isolate. He's very good with live ball, and, and he's got a good hesitation to his games. He can get by people where he can stop and shoot a deep three. Bancaro, you know, when he – going into the draft, I said this is clearly the most ready-for-the-NBA guy right now. Like his body type, his physicality, his bounce, his all-around offensive game, and you really have seen that from day one. He has had – He's had at no point has he looked like a guy that was remotely uncomfortable. And he saw it again last night. And there are times like, you know, Durant is is guarding him and really like down and, and in a stance and like digging in. He's got a hand on him, a hand ready to go. You can see his readiness. And yet Bancaro still got where he wanted to go against Durant. And it wasn't, you know, there wasn't even an off factor there, which, you know, could be there for a young player. You know, this is Kevin Durant, man. Like, you know, I'm sure Bancaro – really idolized this guy and watching him when he was younger and now here you are you're playing against him and he's trying to lock you up and you're just so comfortable to go do what you want and it's i've just been impressed with his his versatility because he can post you he can run out and transition and finish he can shoot the ball off the dribble from deep um you know he's still a work in progress with his mid-range i think that'll come though and his handle is is decent it's not elite you know he wants to continue to work on that and he could polish that up so he's got a counter to great defense off the dribble now you have a guy that's a perennial all-star so i just been very impressed with their team the way that they play how hard they play and the fact that they don't really have a guy that's got a you know ball on the hip natural floor leader mentality amongst those guards they're all just good players um it's impressive what they've been able to do and you know, sitting here 19 and 13, no no way you could have come close to predicting that this team would be 19 and 13. I, you know, I, I would have said at this point, 32 in, you know, I would have said 12 and 20 would have been probably more likely in my mind. So I, I've been pleasantly surprised by them, and I really enjoy watching them play because they compete on every possession. Yeah, Jamal Mosley's done a great job over there, and I'm glad you brought up the physicality with Ben Carroll because he's – you know, he's averaging a lot of free throw attempts, which is something Kevin Durant pointed to. The fact that he only took, I think, two last night and still wound up getting the point total that he did. Uh, there was one play, the and one that he got against Yusuf Nurkic, where Nurkic, it looked like he was straight up, but that's a sturdy dude. And, and Bancaro just went right into him, absorbed the contact, finished, looked perfectly poised in midair. And I was like, my God, this guy is a strong individual for him to be able to finish that type of play. Um, and to your point, when he's got the three ball going, this is something KD mentioned as well. He was very complimentary of Bancaro. When he's got that three ball going, he is a really difficult player to stop. But 
Um, I, I really like this young Magic team. I, I feel like they are kind of maybe to a much lesser degree, but they're kind of my thunder of the East in terms of a young team, maybe exceeding expectations in terms of making that next step. Um, the defense, like you can't say enough about such a young group being third in defensive rating to this point. I was impressed with what I saw last night, especially because you had mentioned it earlier, like the Suns threw them a lot of haymakers and they were able to stay with it, knock down some threes and take the lead back um, until the Suns were able to close them out late in that game. So I, I've been impressed with what I've seen from the Magic so far this season. And they're a pretty fun group. Uh, anything left from this game before we move on? Last bow I want to put on this. So, you know, Phoenix is, is a team that you know, has been because of the, the you know Beal be, being out and also just their own play, even with Durant and Booker, pretty disappointing to this point, I think, the way their season has gone. And now they got Beal back. They went three in a row. You mentioned it. Two of them, you know, are basically bottom feeder type teams, lottery bound teams. This is a good win against the Magic. Still not a top tier contender that they've beaten. But if you look at, if you want to know a lot more about Phoenix, I think, and what these three guys are capable of doing together, I think you're going to see that play out really over the next 10 days. So they, they got Portland tonight. That that shouldn't be hopefully a difficult game for them, you wouldn't think. Then it gets into a nice little stretch here of some teams that are going to challenge them. You've got the Clippers at home, the Heat at home, Memphis at home, just got John Rant back. Then you go to the Clippers. So you've got, you've got five games right now, and some of those teams in that mix are teams that are either contender-type teams or – Teams that like a team like Miami that you know is going to make you work, and they're they're playing really really well right now. So I just think, you know, you don't we don't want to get ahead of ourselves of what we've seen out of Phoenix here just for a three game sample size with who they played, but it's it's encouraging what we've seen. Now there's a little bit more of a test here over the next ten days that I think will tell us a lot more about ultimately how they stack up in in the league and in the Western Conference. Yeah, this is a critical stretch for them, especially with the number of games that they have at home on this homestand, the ability to be in their own practice facility and kind of build on that momentum. And and we've seen it. Like there was a three-game stretch there where Kevin Durant had 14 assists to 18 turnovers. Uh, and over the last three games, it's been night and day, 32 assists to just four turnovers. They've experimented with using him more on the ball, initiating offense, which has been fun to watch now that they have those other two guys to allow him to do so. Uh, they're going to be a team to keep an eye on over the stretch for sure. Uh, but we're going to take another break. On the other side, we're going to discuss the Lakers falling to 500 and what our thoughts on the Pelicans are. But first, Emma wants to tell us a little bit about Factor. So Emma, go ahead and take it away. All right, you guys. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm extremely busy. So Factor Meals comes in clutch every single time. Um, if you guys don't know what Factor is, Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service that can help you eat well for breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever you need. Um, so you can cross like meal prepping off your list if that's something you don't want to be doing. Um, treat yourself to high-quality, delicious meals. There's if you go on their menu online, you can like look through all of, like their chef choices and all of that. Um, my personal favorite is the breakfast or the smoothies. You can see below. Smoothies are really good. They also have protein shakes, which I didn't know about till recently. So good. So good. But anyway, head to factormeals.com slash allNBA50 and use code allNBA50 to get 50% off. Guys, you're paying half price. Half price. This is an unforgettable deal. Half price. So 
Again, that's code AllNBA50 at factormeals.com slash AllNBA50 to get 50% off. Shout out once again to my old producer over at PHNX, Emma, for sparing my voice from having to read through these ads. Uh, Tim, let's talk some Lakers and Pelicans. Obviously, we're, we're going to get to the Pelicans, but I feel like everybody wants to talk about the Lakers right now. They fell to 500 last night. I think since that 44-point beatdown of the Pelicans in the uh, in-season tournament, I think they're 4-8 and eight since then, only a three-game a uh, three-win improvement compared to this point last year when they got off to that awful, I think, 14-20 and 20 start. Um, are we concerned at all about the Lakers? Is this kind of what you expected from them, given their supporting cast? I, I want to get your thoughts on this team, because obviously you've got LeBron James and Anthony Davis still playing at a high level. But for whatever reason, it feels like this team is kind of grasping at straws at how to put the rest of it all together. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think, you know, the the question always when you watch the Lakers is, you know, like I watched last night and I'm saying, is this a team that I can truly envision winning it or make it another run the way they did a year ago? And then they ran into just a a significantly better team. Denver got swept, but they're there in the conference finals. So you're, you know, you get to the conference finals, you're, you know, you're, who knows, you're, you know, you're one one rolled ankle away from somebody of making a legitimate run. So you, you, you put yourself in the mix by doing that. So I'm watching them throughout the year. And part of me is always saying, well, they're impossible to judge in a regular season because they, they're not, they're not concerned with the regular season. You know, you got, you got your best players in, you know, been in the league 20 years. He's not trying to put his foot on the accelerator every night and win as many games as he can. Anthony Davis is going to miss games and has a tr- has a struggle at times just consistently showing up with with an aggressive mindset right so the regular season isn't important isn't as important to a team like the lakers that's playing strictly to position themselves somewhere by the time they get to mid april where everybody's healthy and now they'll go take their chances even if they have to go on the road for three straight series you know you only have to win one road game in a series and you've got home court, right? So with LeBron James on your roster and Anthony Davis, like they think they're always going to be in a position where they can go pull that off. So they're not trying to win the race in the regular season. And so you always have to keep that in the back of your mind when you watch them. Having said that last night, and look, I'm going to get in, we're going to get into Pelicans in a second. And I got a little bit of a, of a rant about them, but they looked Lakers last night comparatively looked, slow they looked inept defensively i mean they're going to a zone at times because they couldn't guard them they went to a zone defense for a stretch and it just completely just it looked like a zone defense that is never practiced you know and like a couple years ago you know the 2020 lakers in the bubble employed a zone and they had that giant front line and it was really effective and it became i think probably even unintentionally they threw it out there like, hey, this is working pretty good. Next thing you know, they're playing all kinds of zone in the bubble, and they win a championship that way. You know, Miami's a team that plays a lot of zone. They practice it all the time because it's part of their identity. It's not really a part of this Lakers team identity. And so it, it was a porous zone, and it just looked like we don't really know how to guard these guys. So let's try zone for a little bit. And I just mm-hmm. felt like the Pelicans' best guys really were all operating at a super high level, and their role players gave them a ton of energy. 
Jones and Alvarado in particular, Valanchunas was banging. And then those three guys, you know, McCollum and Ingram and Williamson, all of those guys had nights that looked like their best. So all of that stacked up against the Lakers and you end up with a 20 point win. Uh, and, and it really, the Pelicans got out to a lead. They kind of just kept them there, like stiff arm them and kept them, you know, 10, 12, 15 points most of the time. It was not a real threat at any point. And, you know, the Lakers three-point shooting, lack of, reared itself. They're, they're minus 21 from the three-point line. It's hard to overcome that in this league. So some of – so even though I say, like, the regular season doesn't matter that much, we can't really judge them. At the same time, there are certain nights when you feel like they're, 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 they're trying to play hard and they just don't have enough. And that's what it looked like to me last night. And that was one of the best Pelicans games I've seen this year. Like, they just – Top to bottom, their entire roster, both ends of the floor. It was a very complete game on the part of the Pelicans. And there's been a lot of nights I haven't seen that out of them. When you add those two things up together, this is what you get, a 20-point win. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because it was one of the better games I've seen from the Pelicans this season as well. Um, and, and we'll talk a little bit about them, and I'll let you get to your rant. But for the Lakers, I, I mean, they've gone to this new lineup with Rui Hachimura in there. Uh, Torian Prince, LeBron, and AD, obviously, uh, and Jared Vanderbilt, just a lot of length. I think that group has a pretty good net rating. It's like plus 17 or something like that in very limited minutes. But to your point about them not being as concerned about the regular season, do you think all this experimenting with their starting lineup, with the injuries that they've had and having to throw out different lineups out there, do you think Darvin Ham is kind of playing that long game in terms of trying to get some sample sizes there that he can look at and say, okay, this works, this doesn't, or does it really feel like he's kind of trying to throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks? Yeah, no, probably a little bit of both. And and again, look, if, if they got bounced last year in the play-in, okay, or they got bounced in the first round and they go out in five games and now you come into this year and you're 534 games in, there's probably a much more significantly uh, increased sense of urgency on the part of Darvin Ham and the Lakers. Because at that point, you start to go, you know, okay, you go two years in a row coaching LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and you don't look like you're viable. Now you start to think about job security. Okay, so the fact that they were able to salvage their season at the end last year with the run they made to get to the conference finals. And then everybody acknowledges they just ran into the best team in the NBA and, they, and, and that team won a championship. So you kind of go, okay, they're just not quite on that level, but it, it really made you forget about a lot of the warts and a lot of the issues that they had because they sort of reinvented themselves at the all-star break. And then they made a run after that with some added pieces. And then Austin Reeves, the second half of the year for Austin Reeves, I think he was a different player than he was the first half. So that's like almost adding another player to your roster, even though he's been there because he started playing with that much confidence and LeBron gives him that much confidence. So you add up all that stuff, D'Angelo Russell, like you add in those guys and now it's like, okay, Hachimura, like, okay, it's salvaged the year, positive mindset. So now here you are 34 games in, you're 17 and 17. And it's almost like people are giving them the benefit of the doubt that, okay, don't worry about it. You saw what happened last year. They still have LeBron, still have AD. You know, they, they can be a real threat in the West, and I think that's probably smart for us to view them that way. But I do think that Darvin Ham right now is probably trying to find plus minuses for particular groups of guys and give him a better sense of who needs to be playing more minutes together and, and what combinations to use. So I do think part of that is in there. 
Um, and I just don't think the Lakers are going to care as much with that, you know, that readiness, like up on the balls of your feet mentality that some of these teams have that are still desperately trying to prove something. I don't think the Lakers are like they're trying to prove anything. They're just trying to stay together and then make a run with two great players. That That's what it feels like to me. Yeah, no, I, I see that. I, I did want to ask, because you mentioned Austin Reeves, like, are we good with bringing him off the bench? LeBron has hinted several times that he likes sharing the court with Austin Reeves. I think last night was the first time he played 30 minutes or more in like seven or eight games. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, look, I, I'm torn on that because, yeah, I, I mean, clearly he's, he's one of their, you know, one of their top players. So you would think in this league that usually means you start, right? Unless you're just so, um, you know, you're so dialed into your role that you've been on for, you know, for a long, long time uh, as a sixth man and, a, and an instant offense type guy off the bench, and that's what this team is. That's not really who he is. He's an all-around player. Uh, I think – you mentioned that how LeBron feels about him. I've said this before. I think other than Dwayne Wade and Kyrie Irving, I don't think LeBron James has ever played with another player that he entrusted more to handle the ball while he was on the floor. And and think that's a big statement because I just mentioned two guys that are two of the best offensive talents this league's seen, Hall of Famers, and Austin Reeves is in that category. That's how much LeBron trusts him. The ball moves really well. It hops very well. And I think Darvin Ham is probably thinking, okay, I got LeBron and I got Austin Reeves. They're the two main guys that can create with the dribble and kind of make the right decisions. And I think he wants to stagger their minutes some so that he's always got one of those guys on the floor at all times. But LeBron is saying, no, I think we can actually hit our peak and ceiling as a team, maximizing those minutes when we're out there together. So I think that's a kind of a work in progress. I would not be surprised if by the time we got to the end of the year and got into the playoffs, Austin Reeves is going to be starting for this team. I'd be very surprised if he's not. Yeah, I, I feel like it's inevitable and kind of a temporary fix in terms of, like you said, always having one of them on the court, um, especially because they haven't had, you know, Gabe Vincent a lot of the year. They've had guys in and out. So it feels like kind of a, a Band-Aid on those minutes where you have to stagger certain guys. Um, I do want to talk to you about the Pelicans, though. You, you said you had a rant for us, so let's let's hear what you've got on the Pelicans. All right, all right. So let me start this with a question for you. Let's 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 talk about let's talk about the top teams in this league, and just go up and down. If I if I said Boston, do you know who their best player is? Do you yeah. have a definitive answer on who Boston's best player is? Yep. How about Milwaukee? Yep. How about Philly? Yep. How about Denver? <laughs> yep. Okay. How about uh, we'll go we'll, Golden State? Yep. I'm, I'm sensing a treasure. Lakers. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. So that's and here and here and here's 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 my rant about this. And and, and look, maybe some people might view this as a good thing. I don't know yeah. who their best player is. I don't know who yep. the Pelicans' best player is. Okay. And I watched the reason I said rant because I was watching the game last night, and I've been critical of Zion. Because I don't think Zion Williamson plays hard enough all the time. I don't think he pushes himself. I think he he coasts. I think he drifts. I think he jogs too much. Very rarely do you see him in a dead sprint in transition, filling the lane, even when he's got the advantage and he's got the angle and he's got he's up ahead a little bit. He he kind of pulls up. He should be rebounding. 
at a much higher rate than he does based on his strength and athleticism, particularly on the offensive glass. Um, and then last night I watched him and I went, man, he played hard. He, everything he did was a quick burst. He had a couple of plays. One in particular stood out to me. He got the defensive rebound. He started to push. He threw it ahead. I don't remember who the player was, but they drove. They missed the layup. And guess who tipped it in? Zion. And that is rare for him to throw it ahead. The ball's 30, 40 feet ahead of him. And he kept running. And he got all the way to the rim, and the guy missed the layup, and he tips it in. And I'm just I'm saying, why, why is it so hard to commit that level of energy every night? Because if he did that every night, my point being, that is their best player. But he's not their best player every night. And even even just asking that, not that not sit, now before people like jump down my throat and say, well, Jason Tatum's not the best player every night either. That's, that's not my point. You know for a fact it's a clear answer who's their best player. You know the answer to that. Yeah, you're right. Somebody like Jalen Brown will outplay him. Maybe even Porzingis every now and then is the best player in that team. Maxi some nights can be the best player in Philly. Lillard in Milwaukee, I get it. Jamal Murray in Denver, right, that happens. But when I ask you who the best player is, you're talking about the consistent level of excellence. Who sets the bar on that team? And there's an answer in every case. And there isn't one with this team. And there should be because it should be Zion Williamson. But he leaves so much out there. There's more to grab for him. And he just doesn't do it consistently. And it frustrates me because I love watching him. And I think he's a, I think he's a, you know, good kid. And I think he's, he, you know, he, he, he seems like a really good teammate. He's mild-mannered. He doesn't get too worked up about anything. But there's just more there for him. And I thought last night he was excellent. Everything he did was sharp and hard, and he used his physical talent to overwhelm them. Even one time posting up Anthony Davis and, like, took a middle and shot a jump hook over him. Anthony Davis seven feet tall. And he did it like it was nothing. And I'm going, man, look at that when he's quick and decisive, how that looks. It's not there all the time. And I think that's why I have a problem with New Orleans sometimes because I was like, you see them last night, you're like, clearly they have enough talent to contend in the Western Conference. Because I love their role players. I mean, I love their roster and all the things that those guys bring. I just don't know if Zion Williamson is committed to the level he needs to be to be their best player, which would give them a greater identity. And that's that's my rant on the Pelicans. I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. <laughs> No, that's that's a great point. And it's one of those things where you could ask a similar question of the Suns, but obviously if you're choosing between Devin Booker and Kevin Durant, that's very different compared to Zion and Ingram and CJ McCollum. It's, it's a different conundrum. And I feel like for Zion, he's been difficult to talk about because A, he's been injured a lot, and B, you know, a lot of people go directly to body shaming instead of the more legitimate questions that we have now about like effort level. Um, just straight up conditioning, um, like work ethic, that type of thing. And I think it's fair to ask to your point because of the inconsistencies that we see with him, because we know he's a God-given talent and we know that when he supplies that effort, the second chance uh, play that you were talking about in particular, being a good example of that, like this team goes to another level. And the Pelicans are already kind of a scary team because they're so deep, because like yeah. we saw out here in Phoenix, how physical and scrappy the Pelicans can be in a playoff series when they took the Suns to six games in their 64 win season. Like 
that was without Zion. So you add Zion to the equation, you should think this team makes another leap. It just hasn't happened. But to your point, they have been better recently. Um, I think since that 44-point drubbing they took against the Lakers in the in-season tournament, they're 7-3 and three since then, starting to move up the ladder a little bit in the Western Conference. And they are – it's one of those – they're another example of why the West is going to be a bloodbath in the first round because that's a team that might not have home court advantage yeah. but is fully capable of coming into your arena and beating yeah. you up and stealing a game. So they're a tricky one to assess, but they are – I think starting to head in the right direction. It's such a great point. Imagine, you know, being Minnesota or Oklahoma City this year with the years that they've had. And let's just say, you know, for argument's sake, they hold on to the top two spots in the West. I'm not sure they will, but let's just say they will. Um, and then you get Pelicans. Like, the, for instance, that's possible. Like, you could get a team like New Orleans rolling in there in the first round. It's like, whoa, they'll probably be higher than a seven or eight. I mean, there's a good chance of that. But and look, Brandon Ingram is nasty, right? He's filthy. He's 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 six mm-hmm. eleven, terrific mid range contested jump shooter, right? And that's his game. That's his bread and butter. That that sort of rock you, you know, sleepy type dribble. And boom, he leans back, goes into that eighteen footer, and it's unstoppable when he gets it going. Um, so you've got elite level guard play with McCollum, who could be a combo, you know, one two. Great ball screen operator, which is what this league is. He's really good at getting coming off ball screens tight, getting into the gap or getting to, into his shot. You know, definitely not necessarily a, a prototypical point guard. He's, he's more of a combo guard, can really score it and then run the team when he needs to. So you got the point, you got the long wing, which is important, I think, in this league. And then you got the power player, not a prototypical power package at the 6 7. But he's a power player. I mean, he plays like a center, basically, the way that he scores. So you've got each area of the floor covered. And I think for me, it's going to hinge on staying healthy, clearly, because Ingram's had his share of injuries, too. And CJ's been banged up this year, and we know about Zion. So let's stay healthy first. But then it's, I want to see the mantle get passed and, like, that torch grabbed by Zion. So he's the guy running out of the tunnel every night, and you're identifying him as the guy because he's going to consistently, on a bad night, He's going to go for 25 because that's what the great players in this league do. Even on nights they have bad shooting nights, they'll get to the line. They'll figure out a way to get to their number. And then they're also going to find other ways to beat you. And even on bad nights, they'll still put together eight, 10 points in the fourth quarter when you have to have it and win the game. Like those are what the guys on those other teams we mentioned, that's what those guys all do. Zion is still like, you don't know exactly when you sit down to watch what am I about to see. Last night, I thought, was one of the best games I've seen him play this year because he was committed to pressuring you when he got the ball, and he isn't always that way. And that's that's why they're going to be an interesting team for me to watch. And his growth and maturity level, and does it ever really click? And look, people want him to lose weight. I, I don't even know, man. His body type might not allow that. I, it's not even about that. It's about, okay, if you can only play 30 minutes, give me 30 hard minutes. Don't give me 30 minutes and 22 of those are hard and eight minutes you're kind of floating around while you're resting because that's what it looks like to me. He's always conserving himself. Go, go for it because he's an impossible matchup in this league because of of just this unique physical package that he brings to the table. That's the challenge for Zion and that ultimately I think will be the challenge for their team and whether or not they can win around, you know, where 
really threaten somebody in the second round where now they're they're in the mix as a contender. Right now, I think they're just on the outside of that. Right. The, the Pelicans are fascinating to me for that reason, because of the question mark about Zion. Like we saw it when the Suns played the Pelicans two years ago. We saw Brandon Ingram in his first playoff series kind of step up and be the guy without Zion on the court. And the Suns had no like they've had Mikhail Bridges and they had no answer for Brandon Ingram in that series. I'm curious if you get to the playoffs with Zion, does he make a similar leap? Is that complicated by the fact that Brandon Ingram has already done that sort of thing? Um, it's going to be fun to watch. But for now, I think the Pelicans are one of my more slept on teams just because of that potential. Um, but I am curious, is there a team that you feel, maybe it's one we've discussed, maybe it's one we haven't, that has been overlooked to this point? Because um, there, there are so many teams that fit that category in the West. But I am curious, is there anyone that has stood out as kind of your most overlooked team to this point? I think the probably the most overlooked team for me in the in the Western Conference um, would probably be the Clippers to this point because of the start that they had of guys being out and now they're starting to play much much better. Um, and again, I, I was I was the whole time when they after they even before they got Harden and they made the trade. I said it's not about Harden for me. Yeah, he gives them I think more options in the regular season as an elite offensive player. Because Kawhi's going to miss time. Paul George is probably going to miss some time at some point. Um, that, for me, is not why I would ever buy into the Clippers. I buy into the Clippers because I think Kawhi Leonard is going to be healthy. Like, if I'm willing to make that bet and, and slide some money onto that number on the roulette table that says Kawhi healthy, that's why you believe in the Clippers, because of Kawhi Leonard being healthy. Harden gives them added depth offensively, but he has struggled in the postseason. So, now, this might be a great lane for him because he's their third best player. And that might be a great lane for James Harden uh, where he feels less pressure because it's going to be about Kawhi and Paul George if they get to that point. But we haven't just until recently started talking about the Clippers. And when you look at the talent up and down the roster, and it's, you know, it's their top guys we know about. But even like a guy like Westbrook, like just, just how hard he plays every night, no matter what role he has. I have so much respect for that, that that brings something to your team. Zubats, Terrence Mann, like these guys, these guys fill great roles for them. Um, so I'd probably them and in the East would probably be the Heat. And we, you know, we barely talked about the Miami Heat all year. Um, they'd had a slow start. There's way sexier storylines in the East with what Boston did and adding guys with Milwaukee adding Lillard. Philly gets rid of Harden and they're better. Maxie's a surge, uh, ascension. You know, like all these storylines. And then you got the Heat, who, by the way, played in the finals last year. And now they're getting their act together. So I don't think we've talked a whole lot about them in terms of, you know, do you think they can win the East again? Um, because of how how top heavy it's been, Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, but to me, they're they watch them. They're lurking. They're sneaky, and they've got some really quality wins lately. No, those are both great picks. The uh, the Clippers in particular, because it felt like after those first what was it five or six games, whatever it was, where they were really struggling to put together wins. I think they're they've won eleven of their last thirteen games. They've really looked like a more dangerous team. And, and to your point. I think Harden is in a prime situation there because we all know about the playoff struggles and shortcomings when he's the number one or the number two guy. But if he's setting up Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, that takes a lot of pressure off of him to have those high scoring nights that, you know, his past teams have needed from him in the playoffs. Like, and and that's the other thing is if you get one or two of those games in a playoff series, that can legitimately swing a series and make life easier on Kawhi and Paul George because Go back to last year in Philly against the Celtics. 
I'm pretty sure the two games that he went off in that series were Sixers wins. So he's yeah. fully capable of doing it when there's less pressure on him. Um, and, and I think they, you know, they're one of the deeper teams in basketball. They've got all those wings. Like they're a legitimately scary team if they stay healthy. That's always been the big if for them. Um, but I think this year we're starting to see it during the regular season and it's contributing to more wins than we've seen in the past. Cause in the past it has kind of felt like they're like, let's just get to the playoffs and hopefully we'll be healthy experimenting with all kinds of different lineups and whatnot this year it feels like there's a little bit more of a purpose. And to your point, like Russell Westbrook was great in the playoffs. They, they were out in five games, but he was great in the playoffs for them last year. And I think he just brings that different type of energy. As for the Heat, like it, it's so funny how we consistently overlook them as a team that's made the finals in two different surprising finals runs with Jimmy Butler as the guy. Um, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of focus on like Dame joining the Bucks and, and the Sixers being unleashed with a new head coach and Tyrese Maxey and all those other teams like the Celtics, obviously the Porzingis trade. Those are the, the sexy storylines. The Heat upsetting some of those teams and doing it again would not be a sexy storyline. I feel like some people are trying to like block it from their mind that that could possibly happen just because last year you know nuggets versus heat was not everyone's favorite finals matchup out of what we could have had but they are still a dangerous team i think bam out of bio pound for pound one of the best defenders in the nba jimmy butler we know what he's capable of like they they just got a solid supporting cast even after some of the the players they lost in free agency last year they're a they're a very tricky team for me come playoff time and eric spolstra like I feel like we've said this for years, but I don't think the guy gets enough credit for the tactical mind that he is and being able to incorporate all these new pieces year after year and still feel the team that is so competitive, so dangerous in a playoff environment. Well, I, I'm, I've been on record for a while. He's the best coach in the NBA in my mind. And if you told me I, I had one group of guys, 12 players, you know, whether you pick them for me or I get to pick 12 players, and I got to go out and I got to win either one game or one series starting from scratch. I'm taking Eric Spolster. That's the guy that I want to figure that out. And, and you're right, he does it. And Jaime Hawk has been amazing. So you get a rookie that's this polished and mature, you plug him in like he's a five-year vet. That's that's a great bonus. You know, finish with this. The bottom line is, is the Western Conference is insane because to me, there's only three teams in the West that aren't really interesting. Uh, I'd probably say Portland. Utah, and I'd say San Antonio, even though they have Victor Wembanyama. So if that makes them interesting to people just to watch him, maybe they're not even in that category because, you know, it's kind of, wow, I haven't seen anything look quite like that before. I mean, I wouldn't mind watching the Spurs tonight. I'll put them in. But other than that, I'm talking about just, just you know, interesting talent, storylines, personalities, whatever it would be. I think you got 12 teams in the West worth talking about. Because uh, we didn't even get to like teams like Dallas, you know, it's, mm-hmm. who's got great, great players, one of the best in the league. You know, the, the Kings, who weren't really kind of emerged last year, and they're sitting here now. As we sit here now, they're fifth in the West at nineteen and twelve, very solidly placed. We haven't even discussed them. Uh, Lakers, Warriors, like where, what spot are they going to be coming at people from? You know, at some point, like you know, think about the pedigree with those two teams. So the West is just insane it's loaded we're gonna have probably the most compelling first round matchups we've ever seen in the western Mm -hmm. conference this year 
depending on how this plays out, you're going to have juggernauts going at it in the first round. It's going to be crazy. So uh, this is just, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Some of the teams we talked about today with New Orleans and the Lakers in the West and, and talking about those teams, um, it, it's it just at Phoenix, you know, that's really the teams we got into today in the West, but there's a whole long list of teams that deserve a lot of consideration. I'm sure week by week it'll be different who we hone in on. Yeah, absolutely. 2024 is going to be a good year for hoops, especially once the Western Conference playoffs roll around. Um, but I think that's going to do it for this special New Year's edition of the All-NBA podcast. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at AllCityNBA. Adam will be back tomorrow as your normal host. You can follow me on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. And of course, you can follow the legend Tim Legler at Legs ESPN. Until next time, we hope you all have a wonderful 2024. Thanks for watching. We all silly like the mayor. 